How'd your cutting your stepdad's hair go? <laughs> <laughs> we need a before and after photo. The cutting of the hair went went fine. I'm not the best hair cutter in the world, but you know, it grows out in two weeks, so it's gonna be okay. No matter how it it's looks. It's the beauty of hair. It's the beauty of hair. Well, be, thanks for being a good sport, both Jim and Aaron, for <laughs> being around the receiving end. And Aaron Carlberg, now available for yeah. hair For your hair cutting needs, I have a thousand <laughs> photos of my own head, and you pick which one you want, and it's going to look sort of like that when I'm done. Last week. Last week. How are you feeling about it? How are you feeling about the Gleason series and kind of... I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've also written a whole other series in the last three weeks. Yeah, so. what tired you more? <laughs> uh, well, well, that was a lot. I, I really think the upcoming Forgive series was good because it, it kind of refocused me a bit on what's important. In what way? I'm, I'm, I'm reading this book right now called um, Picking Your Hills to Die On. And it's about first, second, third, and fourth degree of doctrines that we hold like, you know, first ones are ones we're going to fight over. Second ones are ones we don't need to, they're, they can be important, but they're also have different levels of importance. And we tend to make second level ones, first level ones. Mm. Um, and, and uh, two of the things he specifically talks about in this book are complementarian versus egalitarianism. Mm. And he goes, and he goes, and the problem with these conversations with this is that both sides pick the worst examples on the other side to use as the reason why they're not the other side. He also talks about baptism. Hmm. In Presbyterian churches, they baptize infants. You have the family of faith, right? They have the ba- right. baptizing of infants. And, and he was raised in that. Uh, his all Growing up, he goes, and I love my Presbyterian church. He goes, I just came to a point where I couldn't agree with that. And he goes, so I couldn't sign that thing. And he goes, so I couldn't get ordained after going to get my doctorate mm-hmm. and all that. He goes, so what we were going, ended up at this Baptist church, which was great and wonderful. He goes, but this particular Baptist church had a certain view of the end times and you had to, and he goes, and so they wouldn't ordain me because I didn't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, adhere to all of their things. And, and he goes, and we get in these, these weird conversations when baptism is something, yes, we should do, but it doesn't save us. So it's not a primary doctrine. And, and so he gives this whole history lesson, which I know you don't appreciate sometimes because <laughs> there's too much stuff. I do there. appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> but he says, he goes, he goes, do you know, and I, and I did not know this, the numbers of people this happened to during the reformation, more Christians killed other Christians over the issue of baptism, baptism mm-hmm. than all the Christians that were killed under the Roman oppression when those first three centuries of Christianity, more Christians killed other Christians. That's sickening. And they would even drown them, making fun of them as Anabaptists. (laughs) You want so much to be baptized again? We will drown you. Too often we take non-salvation issues and make them salvation issues. We raise them up to this level. At the cost of division. At the cost of division. Mm Mm-hmm. This kind of goes into what we talk about today, right? The cross. You know, Paul says, I, God forbid, I would, well, that's actually in the King James says, God forbid, but that I would, I would lift up anything, boast in anything but the cross. What is the central common doctrine? That it is the cross. That's what we hold up. And too often we run to everything else but the cross and hold it up. 
That's a segue right into that. No, it's great. <laughs> so for this week, how how should leaders lead discussions in their their groups or families or there's some ways that I would like to have a discussion take place, but as I sit there in my GC and I think I'm like, this is never gonna happen the way I want. It just it just doesn't go the way you want it to go. Yep. Because I would love to sit around and have a discussion about have you ever been offended by the cross and what it says? If you think that, oh, you know, people are just good and moral, and if you're good and wise enough, everybody finds God and and that's how it works. Well, the Bible says you're wrong. And when you tell somebody that and they get offended by that, it's like, great, at least you're starting to understand the offense of the cross because it's not good and moral people. It's it's the faithful husband and the adulterer. It's the great parents who watch out for their kids and those who left their kids in the car with the windows up and the kids died. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. And when you start to get the offense of that, that's when you start to understand why we needed to be saved. Why there is no other way for God to rescue and redeem us in the blood of Christ. Uh, you know, one of the illustrations I give, I stole it. If you ha- if your house is burning down and all of your friends and family are outside and you're all safe and someone walks up and they're like, oh, I'm going to show you how much I love you. And they go running into your house and they burn to death and die. You're not like, oh, look how much they loved us. You're like, that person was an idiot. Mm-hmm. But if your kid's stuck in the house and that and the fire department says, we can't save anybody, we can't go back in, but this person goes, this is how much I love you. And they run in there and get your kid and bring them out and your kid's saved and that person dies doing it. You're like, yeah, they really loved you. Mm-hmm. If there is any other way for us to be saved by being good, by doing the right things, then Christ died for no purpose. And the cross means nothing. But Christ died for the ungodly. Right. If that is the only way we can be saved, that's the offense of the cross. You're not good enough. And that's, it'd be nice to have a conversation around that. I sounded very like angry when I was talking about that. I don't know why. No, I liked it. <laughs> it's uh, fired up. Passion. <laughs> Preach. But I think if we could have a conversation around that and maybe people say, I don't understand. No, I've never been offended by the cross. And maybe as a GC leader, can you push the people in your GC to be offended by the cross? Is there a way to begin to do that? <laughs> crazy eyes right now. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I, I think that I think you could. I, I think that God has wrath against sin. Mm-hmm. Sin is a horrible thing that destroys his creation. It destroys us. And there is wrath that burns against that. And that means that wrath burns against you. And the only reason that you are ever saved because of what Christ did, it's not because God's just a nice guy. God is just, and the reason we are saved is God fulfilled his own just requirements because we could not do it. I think, too, emphasizing just the brutality of the cross, mm-hmm. like, I mean, even the concept of someone being falsely accused, convicted, murdered, that in itself is horrific, right? Yes. But we lose sight even of cosmically, like, what Jesus took on. Right. And I don't think there's any way we can ever... What, and then you juxtapose that with a perfect life. I mean, it's... You yeah. can't really fathom it. Um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We we can't even fathom what that means. Mm-hmm. I have had to preach on that verse five, six, seven times. And every time I am wholly inadequate because I cannot even fathom what that means. It's not something I can or ever will experience because I've been saved by the blood of Christ. How does God turn his face away from God? And still be God. 
I don't know. That is a theological conundrum that I think one day we'll understand it. And then you'll have to wipe the tears from my eyes. I think in our group, we have, a you know, talked about this. We have a lot of young families. And I think something that drove home the significance of Jesus's death was like realizing like if I not even just willfully, but like willingly, but joyfully sent my kids to death. It wasn't you just sending your kid. It's, it's that in the Godhead, in the Trinity, there is one will. And this is why people also have a problem with simplicity in the Trinity, the simply Trinity, the simplicity of who God is, one will. The father did send the son, but it's not like the son went against his will. The son. Yeah, but I'm talking, right. But again, it's how you help people engage, right? Sometimes you personify it. Oh yeah. Let's talk about divine child abuse. So in my argument to be orthodox, (laughs) my kid would also have to (laughs) want to willingly, joyfully go to the cross. But from my perspective. And they have to be 33 years old. (laughs) They cannot be what they age are now, right? I was trying to go somewhere with sometimes you you have to put people in those. You encourage them to take those perspectives Mm. and understand a little more. So it's, it's important, though, for our groups that if we if we are able to push the offense, it has to be balanced, obviously, with the beauty, right? And and then a call to, call to repentance, like whether people take it up or not, or they're just offended and walk out. Which we're starting to forgive series next week, so this is perfect timing <laughs> to go all out and offend everyone, I guess. So you really want people to like push and try to? I think we try so hard to move away from the rough edges, and I think. When you talk about the cross and maybe this message ending Galatians all about grace, right? Grace, 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 grace. Maybe it's good to take that last week and to, and to push into the reason why we get that grace. Mm. Because it's not, it's not just here's the offense of the cross. It's that this is the beauty of the cross then as well. Uh, so to wrap this up, uh, you have this line in the notes. The cross is offensive because it stands against all schemes of self-salvation and pride. So I think looking at those areas, kind of going back to the fruit to root last week, kind of, of where is it that we look for salvation outside? Where is it we're taking pride and try to speak the the cross into it, the doctrine of the, the, the cross and how offensive it is because it says we can't save ourselves. The, The more offensive it is too, is at some point, not that you, not that you have to walk around and be, I'll mopey and sad about it. But I think the more we understand the offense, the greater our understanding of grace becomes. Mm-hmm. Well, it either it divides, right? So it's either so offensive that you say this can't be real and you dismiss it or you realize how real it is and you surrender to it. And then there's freedom to be honest about everything. There's freedom to be uh, transparent on failure and you're not trying to hide or wear the mask uh, like we talked about in the hypocrisy or we're more ready to forgive. Like we're going to talk about in the next 11 weeks, but like, yeah, it, it becomes truly Christians become changed because this offensive thing is actually such beautiful news. Breaks your heart. Yeah. Because of our understanding of grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We hope that there's fruit in your gospel community's discussions this week. Uh, your, your discussions around the dinner table with your family um, where you not sin hunt, but you look for where people are looking for self salvation and what they take pride in. That's other than the cross. Yeah. And point them to what the cross says about that specific thing mm-hmm. and how there's good news and grace outside of it. 
Yeah, so something that we are launching later this summer and fall is going to be our first offering of what we're calling a GC leadership development cohort. So over the course of six sessions, uh, over three months, so the the group would be meeting uh, twice for each of those three months. It's kind of an experiential course that Michael and I are going to facilitate for those who are potentially interested at any level in learning more about what it takes to lead a gospel community and what that looks like. So we're excited about that. We've got a syllabus, we've got uh, a course put together. I think on the other side, people will feel more equipped and hopefully hear the heart of what we do and why we do it and experience it and get to see kind of firsthand and if on the other side, they don't feel like they're called to lead and, and or want to pursue that, then I think they could step back into whatever groups they are and help others lead well. It's not just a, you have this GC now on the other side. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dialogue that will take place around it. And you've done a good job. And it's going to end with a kind of a celebration where mm-hmm. we're going to invite all the GCs to partake um, in and do it in a dinner and just um, kind of celebrate conclusion of it. I'm excited. It is an investment. I think for people who participate for sure. But I think to have something proactive like this to intentionally try and develop people, I'm excited about that. I, who 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 can be invited or should- anyone. If you've ever been interested in the least bit about leading a gospel community or understanding what the vision and model is, this is a great opportunity. It's not only get to know other people to hopefully um uh, understand God's call for mission in your own life, um, but just to learn more. Reach out to Michelle and um, we'll get you plugged in. I don't think there's a limit on how many one way or another. So No, there is a form so we can link to that in the notes. That'll be in the show notes down below. That would be great to uh, get some people who might be interested. We'll see you next week with Forgive. I was watching this comedian thing today that someone sent me. and also it's an Aramaic Jew. <laughs> <laughs> and someone said, and he's like, yeah, I grew up, my dad was a pastor. And I, he goes, I have four sons and a daughter. And my daughter is straight A student, really great. Asked when she could start dating. And I said, well, Jesus was single till he was 33. If you can outlive Jesus, <laughs> you can start dating. <laughs>